You're listening to Lewis Stevens on Epsom Hospital Radio. Epsom Hospital Radio. <laughs> I'll try. Racism. Racism is an ugly word. I think it's an ugly word because, first of all, it's describing an idea that one person's race makes them superior to the other person. But the other reason I think it's ugly at the moment is because people get called racists for harbouring an opinion that is bigger and needs a lot more breaking down than simply being called a racist. And by saying that, I'm not condoning any kind of racial slur. Not that my word has any kind of authority, but I would like to just point out I'm not condoning any type of judgment on the race of someone's skin. Okay, I'd rather it all just be forgot about and we all start and we all just be good friends. But I understand how hard it is to extend your hand to someone and say, can we just be good friends? When they might be aware that they live in a society that isn't, that, that is making a thing of the colour of their skin, positive or negative. Surely you should just be able to walk down the street or wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and not notice your skin. You know, I personally have never woken up in the morning, looked in the mirror and gone, oh, I'm a white person. You know, I've never, I've never had to think twice about what colour my skin is. Whereas talking to black people or any minority ethnic group, they would have at one point had to look in the mirror and realise that the colour of their skin isn't normal. You know, that that's, that's what they've had to... That's, imagine having that thought, like I am different in some way and I'm being judged purely by, purely by colour. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. And to go in the other direction and to, and to talk about maybe somebody's culture like to be culturist as it's called you know to to stigmatize someone because their culture is different to here then it only takes a brief look into the history of the united kingdom to see that we aren't this one pure culture we're not just one thing we've gone all around the world we've brought all different things back all different things all different races all different things from different races We've brought, we've brought immigrants back. We've used immigrants to build our own economy. We've, we've, we've given opportunity to immigrants. We've taken, you know, immigrants are deeply embedded in our society. So to say they don't belong here, you know, come on, that's, that, that, that isn't right either. But I do wish to say that by calling somebody a racist who is just expressing an opinion an honest opinion about the way they feel needs to be looked at in individual cases. Because sometimes calling somebody a racist when they try not to be actually sends them the complete other way. The other day I was working on a building site and the guy the guy came up to me and said, I don't judge people by their skin colour. I'm not racist in the slightest, but everybody down my road not one of them speaks my language and I've lived there my entire life and I don't feel like I belong part of the community. If he somehow fit all those words onto a tweet, he would undoubtedly get attacked as being a racist. But if you rewind, he actually said, I'm, I'm not racist. Nobody down my road can speak English and I don't feel part of my community highlight that last bit he doesn't feel part of his community and that's the actual issue and this is honestly it's the it's the hardest type of conversation to have because i'm not i want i i, I want to always be on the right side always be on the moral side of any argument but what i have noticed Maybe what, what, not what I've noticed, but what I think is important is to sit on the fence of every, every argument to see everybody's 
garden and try and see where they're coming from because I don't think people are inherently bad. I said in a previous podcast with Martin Knight that 17 million people voted for Brexit and 50 million people voted for the inauguration of Donald Trump. I can't see how every single one of those people are bad people and have evil intentions and it could be of a popular opinion on the left to quickly tarnish anybody who went that way as as racists you see you see what i'm saying there i'm saying not everybody can be bad um so when somebody expresses an indifferent opinion they might not it might not be just or or right you never know but what i'm trying to say is is the conversation needs to be had, not just a throw of the word racist um, and not just a condescending attempt at education because I don't think that moves you moves you anywhere at all. As, I, as we looked at before, the guy who said he doesn't like it that no one down his street speaks his language, he said the actual issue was because he didn't feel like he had a community. It wasn't that no one spoke his language it was that he didn't have a community proving my my point that people are good he just wants somewhere to belong to and and fit in and by attacking people who give other opinions then they they don't they don't appreciate you know if somebody says what he said and gets called a racist he he won't listen to you when you then say your next point you know he will go back to his other friends who feel the same way and they will form potentially a small group who feel misunderstood and the only way they get heard say things that are getting a reaction in the first place which is what what we'd call racial slurs and racism because they just want to feel heard and part of a community so people need to be met with with open arms i think um and I obviously, as long as they're not being outwardly, genuinely horrible because of the someone's skin, then people people should be heard out. And if you've got to the realization that all they really want to do is talk shit about someone of another race, then yeah, then you're you're right. But just be just be mindful as as how we approach the conversation because if you are truly right in what you are saying you know then you don't you don't need to sh you don't need to call anybody names like a racist because what you should do in my opinion is talk to the person listen to them get them on your side listen man i understand how you feel i know you want to feel part of a community me too but do you really think it's because the guy down your road has this skin color and ask him that nicely. If you believe what you believe, then prove it. You know, ask him a, a genuine question. How can how can that possibly be down to the colour of the guy's skin next to your house that you're, you're like this? And then when he answers, have a think about it and answer back. It will help you form a stronger opinion of what you think. And then it might even change his opinion. We know racism is wrong. So you won't lose the argument. Honestly, you, you can't lose it. If you just if you just stick to it, is is my opinion. I um I was thinking earlier about this, and I come up with an analogy. Imagine you walk you walk into a pub, right, and you're wearing you're wearing a top owned by a company that has loose employee rules in a third world country, aka the top you're wearing is made by slavery, slaves. Slaves make your top because our economy does better when they employ people in other countries. So, you, But you you walk into the pub and you, you're not even actually aware at this point and somebody shouts over to you, Oi, you, you're wearing slave clothes. You're an evil person. Um, you are, you're a terrible person. I can't believe you have, you'd have the audacity to come in wearing that piece of fabric in this pub. I hate you, you uneducated fool. Now sit down with me and let me explain to you why you should be 
why you should be buying clothes from this shop up the road and the and the t-shirts three times the price and let me explain to you why are you gonna sit down with the guy are you are you gonna oh, oh thanks man yeah educate yeah oh, I, I didn't know let me just you know i'm gonna take my top off and sit here bare-chested in the middle of the pub while you tell me how much of of a wrong person i am no you're gonna feel incredibly embarrassed you might be upset you might smash a glass you might cry you might storm out the pub you might even attack the person that's that's trying to educate you see what i mean you know that's not going about it in the right way this person might be financially unstable this person might not even be aware about slave slavery in other countries sweatshops he might not even be aware of any of of any of these things he might think sweatshops are gyms you know you never you never know (laughs) but but the important thing is that you go about it in the right way you know you you chances are you might have a piece of clothing in your house right now that was made in a sweatshop i'm not going to call you a, sl- a slave trader. I'm not going to do that. You know, there is an there is an evil in there somewhere, but I don't think you meant it. I don't think you're a bad person. I think you've been misinformed. I think you've been lied to. I think where your top has actually come from has been brushed under the carpet. Much like somebody who might hold racist beliefs might have come from somewhere else. Somewhere else might have put that seed into their brain to make them racist. They might have problems in their life and the colour of someone's skin or someone's culture might be what they've been told is to blame, you know? So, but anyway, listen, the time is 13 minutes past seven on Wednesday the 13th of the 4th, or is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday, it's Tuesday the 13th of the 4th. It's sunny outside, Maxis doesn't have anyone in but the yellow floor sign is out so the floor is wet so um be careful when you're going in there nice to see they stay hygienically on top of the floors um and and the delivery guys park just outside the weather's beautiful it looks like it's picking up and listen the reason i said that earlier was because today we've got alexandria dooley from dooley designs which is an interior design company from the local area who i did a live stream with and the reason, aside the fact she's a very lovely lady, we had an hour of chat beforehand that was, I've had to unfortunately cut because because the, the, the second 45 minutes was about what we originally intended to talk about, her charity United in Design, which was set up around the time of the George Floyd killing when the UK interior design industry, the whole industry admitted they had a problem with nepotism and they had a problem with inclusivity within the industry, i.e. 97, 98% of workers were white, and it all just it all just stayed within a certain area, a certain type of person, and there was not being given fair opportunities for people to branch out. For instance, one of the big ones Alexandria said was BAME, black and minority ethnic people, also, low socioeconomic pe- um, banded people would get to a s- certain stage of interview processes. They'd have the exact same qualifications as everyone else, but they always fell off around the f- like just before the last stage. And she wanted to know why she'd experienced it. She managed to sign a big old deal, set up a charity, United in Design. Got interviewed by loads of big big ballers, big journalist ballers like the Wanty Normal Epson podcast, Forbes amongst other massive, massive worldwide global platforms like this one. And she agreed to come on to have a chat today. Um, Listen, and what I said earlier, just before that, it is just because I believe we need to be having more conscious conversations around this stuff. And hopefully, hopefully this conversation that me and Alexandria had sets the tone for that. (sighs) So, as always, Wayne Music, local bands, musicians... It's been quite a long intro, isn't it? 12 minutes, Jesus. So I'm going to start with a song called I Can't Breathe by local rapper Harry Mack, 
who wrote this song in response to the George Floyd killing. So it sets the tone for the content of this episode. It's a really good tune. I love it. And interestingly enough, just a little fact, he wrote this song only using the black keys of a piano. George Floyd's just the tip of the iceberg. I can't breathe, I can't get no relief How are so many people still so naive, I need breath George Floyd, a black suffragette Feeling hurt, could be many more to suffer yet For hundred fucking years And we can't go back More mugs of tears And we still hold back Time for no more fear Do you hear all that? Time to terror stopping here Now we step it up a gear like No more laying down, no more worshipping the crown Paying diligence to all the, f- the ignorance around To all the idiots thinking that it's sound As a pound still forgetting Sterling got us in power from my ground And still they hate Raheem you think our stories are make-believe Angry cause you won't relent, we got no time to grieve Still we're gonna educate you till your hate retreats Demonstrate how to be till you accept defeat Wait, did I say defeat? Nah, we just want to draw All we want is equal but you're always wanting more If you didn't have our players then you'd never f- score Still some of you shout hate while the rest applaud And they're ignored You see a problem but it ain't yours You say that you love the one on tour But you don't give a f- most his family you're poor you don't think that you're the problem, tell your kids you hate the baddies but you never try to stop them Funny how you tell them how you never had an option whilst you leave it up to them to fight your battles so you're content Nah, I'm feeling contempt, you speak of past racism in the wrong tense Nah, I've had enough of your f- nonsense, if you ain't feeling guilty you ain't got a conscience We planted your seeds, so you could hang us from the trees Kaepernick just took a knee, cause you were taking what we need and we don't need much at all All that we ask is to be free Human rights aren't just for whites The world don't have room for your greed We planted your seeds So you could hang us from your trees Kaepernick just took a knee Cause you were taking what we need And we don't need much at all All that we ask is to be free Human rights aren't just for whites The world don't have room for your greed anyway even before like there wasn't that much of a change for me but I suppose like having the kids at home at the same time was tricky because you had to like juggle everything I think for me from a work perspective um everybody has realized that home is so important so I suppose when I'm now going to meetings and initial consultations it is the it is everything to people you know this like this is my home i want it to be the best it can be it now needs to be a multifunctional space as well because we're doing so many activities within it there may be now prolonged periods of time where we've got to spend in it all together how can we you know address those pinch points and areas that we weren't happy with so i think it's it's more than just an aesthetic it is about I want to feel a certain way in my house um, when there could be like turmoil going on outside. But actually, when I return home, I want like this oasis of calm or, you know, I want to feel invigorated in this space, but relaxed yeah. in this space. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely changed the way that we're looking at our homes 100 percent. So what about like the did you what 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 would you if you was to really have a thing in fifty years time could you have any sort of stab at what the home's gonna how it's gonna be different to how we currently inhabit them? You know what? It's funny you say that because I was watching a ha- a program the other day called Tiny House something or another. I think it's on Netflix, and I think loads of my clients have like it's like bigger, 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 bigger houses. But I think actually we're going to go smaller. I think we're going to realise that, you know, it doesn't always have to be vast. You know, we're going to be thinking sustainably. We're going to be not being so wasteful. We're going to be looking at the materials that we're using to build these properties. Obviously, you know, we're going to be looking at um, 
energy sources and renewable energy and you know hopefully we can all start to maybe be a little bit more self-sufficient and start you know using the environment to power our homes rather than you know just like literally taking from the earth I think we're going to be looking at that hugely and also realizing that we don't need to live in these huge big you know houses I think we people can live quite comfortably in smaller spaces if the design of those spaces is you know clever you know really clever um design where we can have multi-use pieces of furniture like you know we can you know I think it's it's actually an opportunity for us as designers to get really super creative um if people go into smaller smaller homes where we're just less wasteful I think yeah. generally yeah it's, I just I have you ever seen ready player one the, yes the, making me think of that though straight away and I do sort of in the future they are they are saying that you know, augmented reality and virtual reality, it actually makes you, they're, they're trying to make it in a way so you believe that the thing is there with you, like trick your brain and, and get like feelings of comfort and stuff. And I wonder if the, the houses will get smaller and virtual reality and augmented reality will get better and we'll be able to put ourselves in other places just by sitting in our front room so we won't need to have such big homes. And that might open us up for bit bigger parks or it might open us up for bigger actual bits of nature and allow people you know you might be able to put some augmented reality on in your front room where you're seeing half your room but you're changing the tone the lighting the mood the sounds you're changing everything so that you're sitting in like a jazz bar you know something like that yeah and it completely feels like that you know not yeah. not not just it's not like yeah i do think that it's really exciting for the future. If that, I think that's where we got to go because I don't think the screen is so good for us. I think we need to merge our sort of online usage with the actual world. If you're not, yeah, no, I th- yeah, I think that connection to nature is going to be huge and massive. I think everybody will want to feel more connected to nature, and also because we are an aging population and we are living so much longer now, I think we're going to need to start looking at potentially communal living. Um, I think that's going to be quite a big thing for the future as well, where we will be living together in communities, so to speak, where we have more of a community of helping each other. Because, I mean, I've got like elderly relatives and things and, you know, yes, you can like move into, you know, like care homes and things like that. But actually, where you're not maybe that old that you need lots of help. But you're maybe, you know, still quite a sprightly sort of 70 or 80 year old. But it would just be nice to live in more of a yeah. community kind of feel. You know, I always say to my friends, right, when we get old, we're just going to get a really big, massive old house in the country. And we'll all just live in it together. And we'll just bring in staff if we need it. And we'll just go have a big party. Um, <laughs> but I think there will be more of that going on where we actually will depend on each other more in a kind of community setting as we age um i think as well i think we'll have more time i think that it's been proven now that even though we've been at lockdown and we've been sat around people don't just sit around and do nothing generally like i don't think it encourages i mean there's this weird thing that we'd all just lay on our backs that's making people not very happy i don't i think people want to be engaged and if we lessen you know, we're, if machines are doing a lot more of our work for us, you know, like we've, we've just, we're, we're still technically in like an industrial revolution. We've got people going in and doing jobs that they might not actually enjoy. They've just got to do to get by. And these jobs could easily be filled by machines. And then there's going to be a whole group of people that need to, to be using their time. And something like, yeah, like an older population that people can maybe spend community hours helping out would be this like really good use of time. I read a book recently where it, this this Chinese guy came over to England and someone said what's the biggest culture shock and he said the amount of elderly people walking around on their own he was like you'd never ever get that in China he said they are with people all the time and I think you know we we would we would naturally spend our our time helping because that's how what we're geared to do that's what makes us feel good oh yeah definitely I mean I think like since I set up the charity like last year um it's probably the best thing I've ever done. It's the thing that's made me feel 
happiest and most content I suppose outside of like my own family like just to have those emails from from people that we're helping you know every week just to say oh you know I've been able to do this this week because I felt like there's somebody fighting for me in my corner or you know thank you so much for putting me forward for that job you know I was successful or like I've got my apprentices starting in two weeks on their their year-long apprenticeship which is life-changing for them um and I just think yeah to help somebody else is 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 going to give you so much joy um in your your own life and it's proven I did an interview with the age concern um local charity a podcast and she said the biggest shock people call up and say I feel guilty about how good I feel for being involved like as in that they get a personal buzz themselves but I can't believe we've gotten 46 minutes without going into your charity and what it does um uh, <laughs> <laughs> So there was something there that you said that I really liked and it was the, oh, it was the apprenticeship. So I've been looking into it and they have to do the different aspects of the industry, don't they? And, and people sponsor them to go and do a bit of what this side of interior design, a bit of this side of interior design. And what I think is amazing for these guys going in is they're going on the preface that this charity that you've set up is this awesome sort of forward thinking idea that's going to be really pushing industry forward. They're going to be the first people doing it. So they are potentially going to be people that are going to go on to have huge, huge roles in the industry and then go on to be role models. You know, for for is it would you say it's the BAME, isn't it? The BAME community, like where they're going to be have an active interest. Their whole career is going to be getting bought on. Or is going to be pretty much on this idea, and they're, it's going to be huge for them to continue that. So, yeah, yeah, compl- are, yeah. Are they aware of that sense? Um, I don't know if they're aware of that sense. I mean, I I um I feel aware of that more so now because I had somebody say to me the other day because I didn't I did another podcast and somebody said text me and said oh thank you so much for representing us so well and I was like oh my god I hadn't even hadn't realized the magnitude of actually I am representing like you know black people and representing like essentially a race of people in an industry where we're not very well um, represented or, you know, there's just not very many of us. So I now in that one sentence then felt the whole weight of like the <laughs> thing on my shoulders, yeah. Yeah. not in a bad way, but just in a, cause I wouldn't have been any other way other than how I am yeah. every day. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was trying to be something um, that I'm not, but, yeah, these young people, I mean, they are going into an industry where, I mean, they were, I mean, the British Institute of Interior Design did like a diversity poll recently. Um, and the, I mean, the statistics, I mean, I could have told them what the stats would have been before they undertook the exercise. But it was literally like, I think it was like 6% or something of the whole you know, industry, however many thousands of interior designers there are, were from black and Asian um minority backgrounds so it's you know they are going into a a very very um sort of uh white industry which is predominantly um for people who are quite well to do and have got money and things like that so yeah not only from a sort of a racial point of view but also in terms of like a socio and economic standpoint as well it can be very very different um, for them but you know they are so talented and so uh, keen and eager and determined and driven that they just can't be denied like they, their talent can't be denied it, you know they just needed a platform and they needed a door to open for them that's all they needed after that like I've said to them off you go yeah. You know, the, the world is now your oyster. You just need to grab this opportunity with both hands and just represent yourself in the best possible way, work hard, um, and just, you know, just be like a sponge. Just listen to everything, like learn, like keep your eyes and your ears open. Um, and, you know, hopefully in, you know, five, ten years' time, they'll be running their own interior design firms yeah. Um, and then, you know, another person of colour will come for an interview and be looking at somebody that looks like them. Um, 
which which will be fantastic. And I think then, you know, we will see real change throughout the industry. And now we have returning guest, Els. Yeah, one yeah. of his, sorry, Els, one of his singles called Shining Missile. Enjoy. When I think of you, lying in my bed, I wish that you were next to me, lying on my bed. Lying on my bed. I could be admiring instead yeah. of having to imagine in my head, remembering when you talk to me, you blush and go red. Then I get the butterflies, I have to take a breath. Feel my heart is beating like my chest. Realizing when you're standing here in front of me, I'm nothing like the rest. Like the rest. Don't be afraid of me. I'm more afraid of you than you are with me. Don't just bear with me. It's gonna take some time, but my feelings are true. I never met somebody like you, just be my shining star. I just need you. I think I'm really like you, just be my shining yeah. star. Yeah. When I think of you, what you doing now? Someone who makes me feel how you got me feeling now Don't be afraid of me I'm more afraid of you than you are with me Don't just bear with me It's gonna take some time but my feelings are true I won't rush I never met somebody like you just be my shining missile I just need you I think I'm really like you just be my shining missile when I think of you, obsessing in my brain If you knew the way I feel, you probably think I was insane Or maybe you don't understand, cause the way you think's the same I know you've been through your heartaches and you had your share of pain Things have gotten to the point where I've known you for a while You still make me go and shine, make me turn into a child You got this way about you, another side that's wild I think I really like you, just be my shining missile Don't be afraid of me, afraid of me. I'm afraid of you, about the charity um in america they have like a black interior designers network like specifically like for black people who are interior designers and there was a lot of chatter over here about sort of creating something that was similar um and i actually pushed against that because i didn't want it i didn't i don't ever want to segregate us ever yeah yeah for me, that is segregation. That is like putting us in a, you know, I'm not, yes, I am black and I'm an interior designer, but I'm an interior designer. I think, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm just an interior designer. Yes, I'm a black person, but that doesn't affect the way in which I do my job. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, it influences me sometimes maybe in some of the choices that I make and things like that, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't define me in my role or it doesn't hold me back from doing something so for me I didn't want the I want us to be able to participate on the world stage it's like my daughter uh, does ballet and we had this exact conversation my husband and I because she does ballet and there was a time where we could have put her into um, a company called Ballet Black which has been set up predominantly for black and Asian dancers, which is fantastic. And we go and see their productions every year and it's a wonderful organization. But I was very much of the mindset that 
she's a dancer. Mm. I want her to be able to rock up to any world-class dance company and stand shoulder to shoulder with her white peers and just nail it. And for her to be judged on her dance ability as opposed to anything else. And I just felt like if we put her down the path of being in that um, in that company, then she's almost always only going to ever be seen as that. And I very much believe, like, if you are the best, then you cannot be denied. When you go to that um, that audition, if you don't get the job, but you know that you're the best, then there may be other things at play. But in your mind, you know that you've done your very best and you absolutely rocked it. So I, I wanted to create a charity that was inclusive because I think that's the only way that we're going to move forward. We've seen so much division over the last year where, you know, there's been this like narrative of like racism and stuff like that. And I just don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't understand it because in my mind, however many thousands of years ago, somebody turned around and said, I am better than this person. And the thing that I'm going to say that I'm better and the the justification for that is going to be that my skin is white and that person's skin is black. Mm. And that's kind to me, that's like where, that's where it all started. Somebody started this narrative thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And it has just been perpetuated over time because actually, you know, we have so many similarities. I've got more melanin in my skin than you have, but actually break all that down. We're like the same. Like, I don't understand like, and you know, all these, Oh yeah, but you know, not as intelligent, but then when, when you've stripped away the, the right to education to a whole group of people and then turn around and go, Oh, just not really not as intelligent. Well, yes, of course, because you know, all those years ago, we weren't allowed to go to school. People weren't allowed to study. You know, you weren't allowed to go to all of these. You didn't have all the, the privileges. And that's when they talk about, like, white privilege. It's like loads of those privileges were stripped away. And it's still going on today in some yeah. countries, like, yeah. especially in America, like, where it's still very segregated. And, you know, and black communities and, 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 and Asian communities and Latino communities aren't given the same resources as like white communities. And then people turn around and go, well, you know, there are differences, but they're man-made differences because that's yeah. what's been created. Yeah. And I think if, you know, so to me, I'm, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm just, I mean, I'm friends with everyone from everywhere. You know, yeah. we have cultural differences. Of course we have cultural differences, but that, they know that they're not good or they're not bad. You know, they're just different. That's all it is, and we should be celebrating each other. Like, yeah. That's it. That's it. I think I think celebrating the diversity is a big thing. I do think um, that, to be honest with you, I think the difference in race is actually implemented by some people of power because they want to make certain races feel like they are better. So it makes them feel better about themselves during day-to-day life, if I'm totally honest with you. You know, that the idea of slavery in America, the idea that you are above this person. So maybe ignore what we are doing up here, living in huge mansions and all these things that we're doing, because you're better than someone else. So just focusing on being better than them and we'll focus on being better than you is my sort of thing with like race. And I think that because of social media and people getting together and being able to share these ideas that there is no difference, you know, the idea that rap music is the most streamed music in 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 the world now, you know, it's huge. It, it, people are respecting the differences between between races, and it is being celebrated that you, it's just like a slow chipping away at the idea that there's a difference. I think is the thing, and when when you're met with any sort of resistance to that idea, there's so much logic. There's so much things you can throw at people now, and just to. To, to put them in a corner until they really have nothing to say about how there's a difference between race. I think, you know, 
the, the, and also the big one before was because, as you mentioned, miseducation and that people, yeah, maybe because a certain race couldn't band together because they weren't as clever as the other one because everyone else had education. They had like systematic racism that would keep them where they actually had to be and they don't have to be there anymore. A big one for race before when people when race were protesting, people go, well, what are your demands? You don't even have any demands. You're just making noise. But like with something that your charity has set up with the seven pledges that a charity there are demands now you know there are actual ways and there is a blueprint to how we can escape this systematic racism that does exist because you just look at the statistics of people in um the interior design industry you know it it isn't inclusive it isn't there's the statistics prove it you can't really argue against that okay well well, how do we change it this way this is this is how we change it yeah and it's not it's not difficult like it really isn't hard to to change i mean our pledges are so simple it's literally giving of your time, you know, be a mentor, be at the end of the phone to somebody, you know, businesses, open up your doors to a wider, more diverse, like, range of people. You know, this is what we're saying. Go into schools to, you know, show school children that you're welcome. We want to work with you. We want to help you. All of these things. And I will say, because I know we've got to finish up, but I think the reason I feel so... I can edit edit things. We can go as long as you want. Oh, bless you. I think the reason I feel so strongly about it, like from a personal um, standpoint is because my kind of family dynamic is a little bit different. So um, my husband is like Jamaican, whole Jamaican family, like grew up in that culture. And then myself. So the reason, the way I, you know, the reason I ended up in Wales was because my mum was adopted um, and she was adopted by a white family. So my grandparents and my whole family are all white. And it's like me and my, my mum, and then obviously she met my dad. But so for me, like my nan and my grandfather took my mum in when, you know, in the 1950s mm. in Wales, you know, they're a white family. She's a black little girl. And they are like my heroes, um, my grandparents. They've both um, sadly passed away now. But I just, you know, when went through like last year and stuff, when we were going through this whole sort of George Floyd and, and everything and Black Lives Matters and stuff. And I just thought, you know, for them to have done that, to have taken her in, they didn't see her colour. They just saw a child that was four that needed a family to love her. And and that's what they did. And And my life has been the way that it has been because of they were just such wonderful people to have done that and I just think that is what this is about you know they are you know we we just all have the capacity to love and to be kind and they were just the the epitome of that for me because it could have been so different for my mum and my family had they had they been prejudiced you know, and, and, and things. And, you know, they fought for her. Like she, they took her to Wales. She was like the only black person there, like in, in that community. And it was hard, you know, it would have been hard. And it was hard for me because then I came sort of 25 years later into the same environment. Um, But, you know, luckily I didn't have any issues, problems. Um, Surprisingly so, whereas my husband did. In a much more multicultural area like London, he had a lot more issues and problems. Uh, to me, being like the only one in a community of all white people, and it was, you know, literally me. Yeah. Um, and I and I had a wonderful childhood, and so I understand that that not everybody is the same. Like everybody, most people in the world are lovely. I think we just need to get that out there. Most people are so yeah. nice, yeah. and there's just a few you know, people that I don't, you know, some people are just, you know, I don't think any, you know, people may be inherently, you know, bad, but I think it's a lot of it is, is ignorance and, and, and just fear, not being fear educated. And, it's fear and misunderstanding. Cause that was giving yeah. my question to you. you. Did you, cause if you're saying you didn't experience any um, problems in a place where you was the only black person, then it is clear that it isn't that that causes issues. There is something that's going on in towns, in cities, in in more built-up areas 
that is causing a division because it isn't. You know, it, you, they say if you they do documentaries where they introduce kids of different colour to people at nurseries and there's literally nothing. You know, the only time a discrepancy arises is when, oh, my mum said that you're different, you know, or or this or that. And it, so it's a learnt behaviour. It's a learnt behaviour. It definitely is. A, it is definitely a learned behaviour because my daughter, uh, la, no, two years ago, was at um, sort of a, a, a gymnastics summer camp thing. And um, she went for lunch and she had her pat lunch and she went to sit down next to two white girls uh, who they would all have been seven, seven or eight. Yeah. And they got up and walked away from her and said, oh, we don't sit next to black people. And left her on her own. And that, it literally broke my heart for her when she came home with her lunch uneaten because she'd been so upset. And she just said, Mommy, I don't understand. Like, you know, I'm a nice person. And I'm like, to try and explain explain to your seven-year-old why those people didn't want to sit next to her simply because she was black. You cannot tell me that they did not pick that up from home. You cannot tell yeah. me that they have heard negative things within their own environment and then that and that is basically how it's manifested itself. Yeah. So it is a learned behaviour and it's really, really sad. But I gen and I think to answer your question about why I didn't have any issues, I think it is a fear, and maybe is it a fear that things are gonna change within your own community because of things that you know. Because I was singular and female, I wasn't a threat to anyone. I literally wasn't a threat. I was a child. My mum also was like, you know, singular, female. Because we'd lived there as well all our lives, we sounded like everyone else. We dressed like everyone else. We ate all the same food. We were not different apart from the fact of the colour of our skin. So I just don't think we were a threat to anybody. So therefore, we were accepted. Like, it was I fine. I think I think people are aware of their privilege and they won't say it out loud. And I think when their privilege um, is going to be impeded on potentially, you know, in the town, then there's this very much issue. And it is probably just tri- like it's tribal mindset, tribal culture. It's probably probably pretty biologically natural like we have a group you have a group your group is going to come and try and take our stuff uh, and we're not allowing that but then on the outside they won't say what the reason is no 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 and and then this weird like public uh, thing comes up where people no I'm not racist I've just got an issue with what what about this like that and it's getting people to to give up what they what they have is going to be hard but then it's also at the same time it's like yeah but have you earned have you earned it you know is the other person working twice as much for half the amount i think is 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 what people have to be honest about and it, if i'm if i was to be honest i think that people do know this they they do know it and they don't want to say it out loud and i think the only way to to get the message across is to cause a disruption as much as possible and this comes from protesting and the final song from way music today harry back again with Plot loss. I love this one so, so much. So much. A lot. Really. I was going through psychosis and I didn't even notice. Battle in my mind took my focus after that stream trip my life would soon dip i was so far away from all of my closest it was so clear to see this big conspiracy two-way mirror spies and cameras they instilled fear in me so much love for the ones who were trying to heal me when i treated them like someone who was trying to kill me i forgot the real me mind going at the speed of light struggling to sleep at night always being watched by a peeping eye and all I'm seeing are these fucking signs Thinking I was woke when I was fucking blind Barely even spoke nice to stutter I Trying to convey what's on my cluttered mind 
And you could tell I wasn't fucking fun I lost my plot But I wasn't the end of the story There's so much it's taught me Now I'm winning the war with me I lost my plot But that wasn't the end of the story There's so much it taught me Now I'm winning the war with me I'm winning but I stole down cause the thing is It could all be chilling but I couldn't bear to relive Couldn't bear to rehurt Now I'm just gonna rehearse Only trips I'm taking when I'm singing with that reverb I lost a lot of time but it could be worse I could be section, I could be in the hearse Yeah, it's something that I'm blessed with Yes, it's not a curse I'm driving forward now, don't wanna put it in reverse So, if you're struggling and you feel alone just hit me up, you won't get a busy tone I know it's hard when you're lonely But please don't get cold feet Down the line, don't wanna wish that you told me Now's the time, don't wanna wait for that Don't wanna see your mum all dressed in black I wanna see you feeling fucking grand And don't tell me you can't cause you fucking can I lost my plot But I wasn't the end of the story There's so much it's taught me now I'm winning the war with me I lost my plot But that wasn't the end of the story There's so much it's taught me Now I'm winning the war with me stereotype as well I think I think often uh, certain stereotypes are perpetuated um, and you know I've had it before where it's it's you know oh you're, you're really nice or you know you're you know you're 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 yeah you're really lovely or you know it's like well what did you it's like what did what did you what did you expect like I'm not you know but unfortunately I think media perpetuate a stereotype of certain people um you know and it you know and that's it's that false narrative around I think you know black people and Asian people you know you had it like with you know it's not just black people it's like Asian people as well you know where you know god it was just so awful like years ago where it was like you had you know terrorism and all of that kind of stuff and then loads of my Asian friends were like people like moving away from them and stuff on buses and trains and all of that kind of stuff as well because the media has perpetuated this narrative that you know like everyone who's Asian is like a terrorist and like everyone who's black sells drugs or you know whatever and it's you know all these you know young boys that are like being killed and stuff like that that are black but yet you know, you don't find their killers. You don't find the people that have like committed these crimes because oh, it's it's gang violence. It's no, that's somebody's child, that's somebody's grandchild. You know, so but because the narrative is that oh well, they got mixed up with the wrong crowd, and yeah, it was a postcode war, and da 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 da. But but you can just see it. It's just blatant. They don't even try and hide yeah. it anymore. It's 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 it's, it's hyper focusing on on the wrong issue. You know, like that. You know, they they would say, oh, there was been a certain amount of stabbings. Yeah, there's been a certain amount of stabbings in that area, not because the color of the person's skin, because of the socioeconomic background they're from, and the fact that they might be behind, and the fact that they don't have access to the same education. Do you know? It might be because they're actually really pissed off with the way that they've been treated. You know, in society, and they don't feel like anybody's offering them a hand to say, come on, look, here's a chance for you. And they're going, well, what option, what other option do we have? You know what, we can't make loads of money by, we can't make loads of money by getting a good job because they're not letting us. So we're going to make loads of money selling drugs, you know, and I'm not saying everybody is, but I'm saying that's what the media then focuses on, that aspect of what they're doing instead of going, no, the actual aspect is they're not getting the support needed in their community. That's the problem. It's not the problem is... Yeah, because it's, it's, it's an onion, like it's an onion, isn't it? And they haven't peeled back the layers of the onion to come to like what is the root cause like you cannot tell me an 11 year old child or a 15 year old child has chosen that life because they're like oh yeah great 
brilliant. Like if you hear some of the stories of how they've they've actually become to be in that situation, you will see there's a, a whole host of other issues going on. I used to work for the youth service years ago and um, in Wandsworth for Wandsworth Council. And I mean, we used to work in a youth, I used to work in a youth club and stuff. And to see some of those kids come in and it was literally like a crossroads. It was, they were either going to go one way or they were going to go the other. And their backstory and stuff was, you know, you know, their own backstory, but you would see maybe one youth worker make a connection with with some of those kids. And that could have been the difference between them literally following a life of violence and crime, ending up in jail or dead, or because they didn't have the support at home. Some of them didn't have this, that, that support at home at all. And it was that one person who was essentially a stranger who took the time to build a relationship with these kids to try and get them on the right path. Now, the government... That youth club and youth organisation no longer exists. That's gone. That's totally gone. All my friends that worked there or lost their jobs, all were made redundant, all were dispersed. Where are those kids going now? Where are they going? They're left to the streets. So you look at all the budget cuts, you look at all the services that have been stripped, you know, there's no wonder, it's little wonder that we're losing generations to this kind of lifestyle. But it is not their fault a lot of the time. It is not their fault. No. No. And I think, you know, and then I think a, a sort of a positive where people have like came back and they've created rap music and stuff. And people saw, I love rap music. I'm a huge rap music fan. And what that music has. Um, empowered the black community to do is share a message of not being, you know, just like punk music would have been in the 80s for, for, for poor people. It's like, look, here is somebody who actually holds quite a lot of power in society. You know, if a certain artist came out and started saying some things that he wasn't happy, that would make a lot of other people unhappy and would spark something. So it almost gives like a level of respect to what, what's been created out of the culture. You know what I mean? Like, you can't really mess with rap music, to be honest with you, because we have power now. You know, like, I've got a... My favourite rapper, Kendrick Lamar, is like, I'm the only one next to Snoop that could push the button. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I feel like when somebody gains that, that much power, it, it's like, it's so... It gives me goosebumps just to think about how music and how that sense of community and togetherness can create something. And also, it's become an economical power, you know? Like, they, they, there'll be white investors in music, in rap music, who'll go, no, we want this music to go really far because we're making millions of pounds off this stuff. I agree. I think it's like when people watched Black Panther... Yeah. I think people watched it and were like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it was almost like a snapshot into what a black country in Africa could be, should be, should be, yeah. had, had, you know, that that country is like essentially, you know, people think of it as a third world country. The amount of money in Africa, in, you know, natural resources, et cetera, et cetera. They should be one of the richest nations on the planet. And, you know, colonialism back in the day, you know, they're not, they're not poor and third world because they chose to be. It was because, you know, back then people cottoned on to the fact, oh, there's money here. There's, you know, there's gold and there's diamonds and there's all these like amazing natural resources we're going to come across and we're going to take that like they did in India, like they did in all these countries. And it's just like, but you, you're not taught this in school. Kids are not taught this in school. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're just, you know, in, in history, we're not taught all of these things that have happened. You know, Africa shouldn't be as it is today. No, Dan, it just this shouldn't. was a conversation around the Churchill statue. You know, when somebody, obviously you're going to have a lot of people going, Churchill's a hero, he did this, he did this. Yes, yay, but that's what that's the only version of events you're taught in school. You're not taught any other versions of events of how unfair to other people that this this was, you know. And okay, yeah, it saved your life, but it ruined a lot of other people's lives. And it, it's not saying there's a right or a wrong. It's saying there's a conversation that needs to be had around all of this stuff. And that's what... The pulling down of the 
the statue is about. I got people saying to me, well, you can't erase history. Well, pulling the statue down was history. You know, that's the new history. Let's, let's get started again. You have to view it as that, like things, things sort of change. But you can't also like look at one person's life and only focus on one area yeah. of it. Like you can't, I mean, yes, you know, in the war and stuff, he's like a war hero and whatever to like people in this country. That was like one section of his life. What about all of the rest of his life? Like, you know, you can't just like, just because he did that one thing, you can't then just go, oh, we just turn a blind eye. Yeah to everything else like you can't do that it's like when they want to take all you know the statues down at like oxford university and like all these universities because essentially these were people that that like they murdered whole swathes of people like you can't just take a good one small good thing they did and just go doesn't matter about all those thousands of people they killed and you know rampaged across countries just to take what they wanted yeah. it's, it's it doesn't work it's, like it's that an acceptance, it's an acceptance that that actually happened and it's not taught at all uh which is what is is what everybody needs to be pushing for i think generally um because i think it would p- create more of a level playing field and understanding and an empathy i think an empathy for people to to be able to understand why is it that we are at a place even now in 2021 where we we're still talking about the same old divisions of like I mean like <laughs> have, have come on yeah. things have changed and things have definitely changed for the better but it's like last year in June we were dragged back seeing those ugly scenes where a man can just be killed on the street essentially just because of the color of his skin and this is age old it's literally age old it's, it's, it's not things have changed and things are better but when are we going to get to a stage where we're not seeing this when are we going to get a stage where we're just people just people inhabiting an earth yeah and how do we get to that stage you know and it's almost it's so frustrating because you I think you know you can see that there is change being made. And I think the only way to do it is just constant pressure. But it's so frustrating because it's just not happening quick enough and it won't happen quick enough, will it? It takes generations. It is, it is. I mean, I'm hopeful though. I'm hopeful for my children. Um, I'm hopeful for, like my goddaughter really wants to be an interior designer. She's uh, 16 now. And um, when I set up the charity last year, I just I just said to her, you know, Malaika, you know, I hope that in a couple of years time when you're going to go and, you know, try and find a job, that you will see a different sort of landscape in interior design and that you will be able to to walk in and be judged on, you know, your on the merit and, and your talent and, and that's all. Um, and, you know, it's, reaction, it's not about, yeah. Sorry, the, re- the reaction that you had to the charity, did that fill you with like some hope and some positive energy about? It did, it did, it really did. It's been very, very well received. We were very keen to create something that had tangible action. You know, I didn't want people to sort of hide behind a sticker or a, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. But then there's, you know, no follow up. So it was important to me that, you know, we could um, also also have some kind of accountability for companies that are signed up with us and, you know, so we can keep an eye on things and we can look at the trends that are happening and how many of our, uh, the people that we're putting forward for work experience, how many of them are going on to find employment and things. So it's, it's important for us to, to follow them on their journey. But everyone that we got in touch with was incredibly positive and wanted to get involved and, you know, at the, at the end, at the end of the day as well, these people are running a business. Yeah, like they're running a business, so it's in their best interest to find the very best talent that is out there for their business, to expand their business, to enrich their businesses. So, in a way, we're serving up these incredibly talented graduates on a plate for these companies, and so therefore, why wouldn't they be? thrilled actually uh, rather than you know always taking in so and so so and so's nephew niece cousin friend yeah. you know actually here's somebody who's even 
better than them, but you might not have ever got to have seen them. It's like you're doing the recruitment process for them. And also there is that element of so-and-so's nephew niece might just come in and, oh, yeah, I just really want to be an interior designer and just really love this thing and just be airy-fairy and they want to go home and they want to more talk about it than, than actually do it. Is there an element of the people that, that you're bringing in have, have just really driven hard by what they by, by what they've done because they've gone they've got the course they've done the degree they've decided for four years this is what they want to do it's not just oh I really want to be an interior designer could dad could you ask your mate to get me in there yeah completely and I think it's the same in a lot of of industries you know interior design is by no means on its own. Um, I've got people who work in the jewellery industry, who work in fashion, who work in the entertainment world. It's all it's all the same. It's all the same. There's nepotism across the whole board. Um, and it, it is not a level playing field in terms of entry and inclusion. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said about looking at our model that we've got at United in Design and actually um, applying that to a lot of businesses and a lot of industries, um, actually, so that we can create this this fairer sort of um, uh, workplace um, and opportunity for people. Yeah, so it's almost starting where you are in the design world, and then if that formula works, it can be something that can then be um, pushed out to to all, all other aspects and all other types of business. Yeah, that's, that's the... Yeah, because it, it isn't, it's not... It's not just it's not just interior design specific. Mentoring, apprenticeships, schools outreach, making sure that obviously your your recruitment processes are fair and inclusive and things like that. These are things that can be applied across any mm. industry. Literally any industry could can do those things. Um, so I would like to think that you know people will maybe contact us and reach out to us and then we will be able to say, yeah, these are things you can put in place. Um, off you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know to be incredibly cliche, but it goes, it's just a very small thing like with the Rosa Parks on, on the bus when she decided that this one seat wasn't going to be, you know, inclusive anymore. That then went on to change the entire conversation. So it could take a small, even a small lighter can burn a bridge, basically, I think is the um, thing to sort of... Uh, we can finish on there because I think that was a really really great end of the conversation and I've thoroughly enjoyed this it's been it's been inspiring <laughs> thank you very much for having me Lewis I've uh yeah no it's been really good I it, yeah it's just so wonderful to have an insightful intelligent conversation about you know subjects that obviously we're both very sort of passionate about um and that's that thanks for joining me see you next time this is Wayne. I mean, this is Lewis from Wayne. <laughs>